This is Laura Deirdre with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Nathan Shinagawa, Chief Operating Officer at UCI Health. Nathan, it's a pleasure to have you on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Laura. It's a pleasure to be here. And I'm really excited for our conversation because I know there's so much happening at UCI Health right now, a lot of innovative things and, and really um, some exciting uh, new initiatives. But before we dive into my questions, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background? Yeah, I'd be happy to. So uh, I am uh, a California native, uh, but I went to school out on the East Coast at Cornell University. I did my bachelor's degree there. And when I was a senior in college, I uh, decided that I wanted to serve uh, the local community. So I actually ran for political office. And when I was 22 years old, I became a county legislator. Uh, and for the next 10 years, I served uh, representing the city of Ithaca, New York uh, at the county level in New York State. And, uh, and while I was doing that role, it was a part-time gig, I really got fascinated by healthcare. And that led me to deciding to pursue a master's in healthcare administration, uh, also at Cornell University. Uh, and so uh, while I was doing that, I was a legislative aide to a state assembly person, uh, and I was her healthcare uh, advisor. Uh, and then I also chaired the Health and Human Services Committee uh, at the county level as, as well. And so uh, what happened is that after my MHA, I had the opportunity to intern at a local uh, organization called the Guthrie Clinic, uh, which is a five hospital system in Pennsylvania and New York. And I started out there as an intern, then was a fellow, then I became the director of support services. And then after about eight years, um, I left there as the VP of operations. And then I, I took a, a quite a, a different move. I went, uh, I left my position in public service and also uh, decided to make the move from Guthrie, uh, where I was at, and I ended up becoming a chief operating officer for Banner Health in 2017. Banner Health was going through this massive reorganization at the time. They created these new chief operating officer roles uh, to not just be the operations owners on the, at the campus level, but really to also be uh, innovators to kind of push the status quo. And so I was brought in as the COO of Banner Del Webb, which is a 393-bed uh, hospital in Sun City, West Arizona, uh, right in the Phoenix metropolitan area. And, uh, and I served as the COO for a couple of years there, uh, where we did great work to turn around the patient experience um, and also to vastly improve our financial um, employee engagement performance. So a uh, really great experience. And then Banner asked me if uh, I'd be willing to open up their first brand new hospital in several, in I think almost a decade, uh, Banner Ocotillo Medical Center in Chandler, Arizona. So I took the leap and I became the COO of that hospital, uh, getting it off the ground, uh, which happened, that hospital happened to open in November of 2020, uh, right in the middle of the pandemic. So it was certainly an experience opening up a hospital in the middle of a pandemic when we were told that, you know, we wouldn't have any COVID patients because we were getting our, our, uh, our, our off the ground really. And, uh, and suddenly within about two weeks since I opened in November, you know, I was, uh, the system said, we need you to open up for COVID patients. And over half our census, uh, we went from zero to having uh, more than half our census being uh, COVID patients or patients with COVID. And it was uh, quite considerable, but we were able to get through it, did well, had great outcomes, as good as our academic uh, partner hospitals. So we were really proud of that. So I led that uh, organization as a COO uh, for about two years, and then uh, two and a half years. And then uh, UCI Health, the University of California, Irvine, 
um, uh, Health uh, had a opening for the chief operating officer role. And, uh, and I thought it was a bit of a long shot, you know, because, you know, I had had mostly experience in teaching in community hospitals. I didn't have academic experience per se, but I did have a lot of experience building up hospitals from the ground up. And um, that's what UCI is going through right now. And so, uh, so what happened is that I, I went through that process and I became the chief operating officer in July of 2022. So now I'm the COO at UCI Health. Uh, we're the academic enterprise of the University of California, Irvine. Uh, with the School of Medicine, we do a combined net revenue of around $2.2 billion. Uh, we are anchored by a 459-bed academic uh, uh, medical center, but we also have 17 ambulatory sites. And what's really exciting is that we're growing. And so my experience ex opening up a hospital for Banner has proven very helpful because we are building a new hospital in Irvine 144 bed hospital, but we're also building a uh, 10, uh, I'm sorry, 8 OR uh, ambulatory care center, and we're building a five story cancer center and a center for advanced care. Uh, so lots of investment that's happening at UCI right now. And I'm really honored to be working with our one of the best executive teams in healthcare led by our CEO, Chad Leftaris. Um, and we're doing great things here at UCI. That's amazing to hear. And I know Chad is definitely an inspiring person. I've had the pleasure of speaking with him and just always walk away from our conversations, you know, really excited about what's to come and, and um, you know, looking at where growth and development is really doing some great things for patient care. And it's super impressive to think about, you know, right now, you know, in this environment where a lot of organizations are having to contract a bit, but you're moving forward with building the 144-bed hospital, a new ambulatory site, and, and additional, um, you know, expansions that you're able to do at UCI Health. So, you know, I can imagine that there's never a dull moment for you. How do you keep everything straight and just really um, have teams organized so that you know these projects are being executed in a great, you know, in timely fashion? Yeah, so I think what helps with UCI is that as an academic healthcare system, I think academic systems, they they have a bad reputation, right? And it's, it's not true of all of them, right? But overall, academic healthcare systems can sometimes feel like they're slow. Uh, and then that's usually due to a lot of good things, right? We're a very collaborative kind of culture, you know, but we have a lot of things that we have to work through. And so sometimes there's a perception of slowness. Sometimes there's a perception that we're not friendly. Sometimes there's a perception, I mean, a perception that, you know, we're not accessible. But I will say at UCI Health, it's the total opposite. When you look at academic healthcare and look at how we are at UCI Health, we're a very agile organization. We have been very fiscally disciplined over the years, which uh, during this time period, where now many organizations are in a state of contracting, we're in a state of growth because we've been able to manage things well over the years. And now we've been able to be in a position where we feel like we're strong, we're forward looking now. We have a flat leadership structure too, and so there isn't a lot of distance between me and the front line. I work very closely with our directors and managers of the front line, very closely with our, our department chairs and our, our medical directors and program directors. And so we have this really, I think, relatively agile structure where we're able to get things done very quickly. So, uh, so I think that's what kind of keeps it all together is that we've got this team that's really focused on uh, the same goal uh, we have an agile structure. We've been disciplined over the years, and now we can really think about growth. And so uh, what's really propelling us, I think, is enthusiasm, right? I mean, we feel like we're ready to transform healthcare. And, uh, and actually, it's funny when I say that, because our strategic pillar over the years was uh, one of the three strategic pillars was transform ourselves. 
And this is interesting, all right? It was it was transform ourselves. And people said, well, why do we need to, you know, why, why is that a strategic pillar? Shouldn't it be something bolder? And the reality is, is that, uh, and Chad's talked about this, that we needed to do some transforming of how we do things, how we operate. And we went through that transformation over these years. And now we actually are changing that strategic pillar from transform ourselves to transform healthcare, because we feel that we're poised right now to be able to do that with all the great investments that we've made over these past few years. That's amazing to hear, you know, and really a testament to Chad and yourself and all the other leaders who have been able to so successfully commit to the vision of what UCI Health can be and, and then really um, execute on that. Now, what opportunities do you see from your vantage point as COO as being key to the system's continued success as well as the headwinds you have your eye on right now? Yeah, well, I think for us, the, the key opportunity is that we're becoming a system. I mean, we've got 17 ambulatory sites, uh, but we are anchored right now by a 459-bed academic medical center. Uh, it's our only acute setting, right? Tertiary, quaternary, level one trauma, you know, the only uh, uh, academic hospital in all of Orange County, which is 4 million residents, right? But it's it. It's, it's the anchor. Uh, and what's happening now is that we are spending $1.3 billion to open up a brand new campus at the University of California, Irvine campus, uh, which is in Irvine, so Irvine, California. That's going to be a 144-bed hospital, uh, as well as the Ambulatory Care Center, Cancer Center, and Center for Advanced Care. So when we become a system, it really changes uh, kind of who we are, right? We, we have to think about how we go from being more local to having systemness. And, and while we do that, how do we remain agile? You know, how do we keep our leadership structure still flat enough to drive that decision-making and action while also being manageable, right? Uh, especially when we've got tremendous scale that we're, that we're uh, investing in. Uh, how do we ensure you know, local accountability while also acting like a system, right? How do you make sure that local leaders are empowered to make a decision without having to go through the bureaucracy of a system, right? Um, how do we create the best educational experience for our students, residents, and fellows? And how do we make that consistent across all these settings? So, so this is one of those things where there are so many potential challenges, but with those challenges comes all this great opportunity. And I think that's what we're most excited about. And if we are able to execute this right over the next three to five years, I mean, UCI is going to be even further poised to really transform the healthcare landscape, especially here in California and Orange County. That's awesome to hear and just fascinating to think through what it takes in order to, you know, transform, as you mentioned, transform healthcare in general, but um, specifically thinking through that more regional, more community-based to broaden your reach and, and to really serve a, a larger footprint. Um, so that, that's awesome to hear and, and definitely seems like you've got a, a really great plan in place to do that. Now, as you're growing quickly, I know that's not always easy to manage that growth and really make sure that um, the organization and, and the culture stays where you want it to be. So how do you really do that? How do you make sure you're continuing to add value as you're growing rapidly and, and really having the system bloom into what your vision is for, for a more um, broader base and, and serving a broader patient base as well? Yeah, well, I think that, you know, we, um, whenever you're going through a transformation, you have to be anchored by your identity. Right. And, you know, our identity is really we want to be the friendliest, most accessible healthcare, academic healthcare system in the country. That is firmly our identity. But we also have our values of discover, teach and heal. 
And whenever we're thinking about uh, the new campus that we're building or new ambulatory sites, when we're thinking about the, the faculty that we want to recruit, uh, we are constantly thinking discover, teach, heal. How, do we, how are we supporting that discovery mission? How do we support research, uh, clinical trials, uh, the teaching mission? How do we make it so that our 400 medical students and our 600 residents and fellows are getting the best experience possible? Uh, and then healing, right? How do we continue to improve access and provide high quality care? And we, we constantly go back to those, to those values. And we think to ourselves, okay, how do we ensure that we're meeting those as we embark in this future? And I think as long as one's grounded, it's possible to be able to take on all of this tremendous growth because a transformation, right, without the foundational values, right, is, is aimless, right? But a transformation with values is the potential to really, you know, take you to a whole new level. I love that and just such an easy and simple way to think through, you know, that transformation with values, um, what that means for the organization and for the community. Now, when you're thinking through the top leadership, obviously, as you mentioned, a flat leadership structure very much connected with the, your team and, and team members, but how do you make sure that that culture funnels through to the frontline workers, um, to everyone throughout the organization and that it really becomes part of how they're I guess, living and, and breathing yeah. every single day. Well, you know, as an operator, this is, uh, and I am a firm, oper I'm an operator's operator, right? So uh, so to me, you know, nothing gets done without the, uh, the frontline staff in uh, engagement, uh, buy-in, and the way that we do that, and actually this is something that comes from uh, Peter Fine, who is the CEO of Banner Health, where I was before, and uh, uh, Peter also, you know, uh, uh, a great healthcare leader who I learned a lot from over the years. And, uh, and he said, you know, that visibility equals credibility and credibility equals trust. And I think about that so much. So what we do is we model that all the time. So, you know, rounding, I've got uh, two rounding sessions scheduled this week where I'm going to be out with the front line and I'm just talking to them about throughput because we made a major change with throughput where we created daily visual management dashboards. We're now huddling uh, uh, several times a day to manage throughput. And in a two month period, we saw the number of discharges coming out of the hospital go up 10%. Did I say two year? I meant two month, sorry, two month period. We saw our number of discharges going out, uh, uh, going up 10%. And so we're going out there, we're rounding, we're talking to the frontline teams, we're thanking them. When we see a nurse, actually just two weeks ago, there was a nurse, she discharged five out of five patients in her assignment. And so the leadership, we went straight to her unit and we said, thank you for doing that because we know that when you discharge five patients, that means you get five new admissions. And we wanna thank you for your hard work there because we know it wasn't an easy day. And that kind of stuff, that really permeates throughout the organization. So, so that's what we wanna to try to model. And a lot of this too is that, you know, we can't be everywhere all the time. So what we need to do is we need to make sure that our leaders starting from the executive leadership to the, you know, to the uh, senior director, director, assistant director level, right? That we're modeling what we want to see in the organization. So being anchored in that discover, teach, heal, you know, being the friendliest and most accessible, make creating an environment of psychological safety. And so what we do is in our huddle structures, um, in our uh, communications, we're constantly reiterating these messages and not just talking about the the, the, the values, but actually showing people how those actually look like, how they, how they are, how they feel, 
uh, to our to our coworkers and to our patients. And that's critically important. And I think that's how we're able to do it. Got it. That makes a lot of sense, you know, and it is really great to hear that you're able to connect with those throughout the organization and, and really make yourself visible. I love that simple equation, the visibility equals credibility equals trust and, and that really driving it forward. So thanks so much for sharing that. Now, I know we've talked a lot about growth and development and ways that UCI Health is really um, on the forefront of expanding today. But, you know, on the flip side, when you're thinking through, you know, what is a, a risk or investment that you see as being critical to that mission of growth in, in serving the community? I think that, you know, when you think about the risks, um, actually, I think Scott Becker did a great job of this a few podcast episodes ago when he talked about the uh, 16 healthcare challenges that we're facing, right? And, uh, and there's so many. And I think that a uh, couple that stand out, right? So, so one big risk that we are encountering, right, is that we know that the CVSs, the United Healthcare's of the world, they're getting into healthcare strong, and they're getting into that business that was, you know, historically high margin, and that's something that the hospitals used to do that they're getting into. We also know private equity is getting getting into the field quite heavily. So, for for the leadership here, what we think about is, well, what do we do that the other that private equity can't do. Well, we're an academic healthcare system. We're the only one in Orange County, 4 million residents, right? So we have that discover, teach, heal mission through and through, but we also have credibility, right? We have a reputation that's really powerful. So what the investment that we're making there is really on partnerships. So we have a partnership with Dispatch Health, for example, to provide healthcare, you know, uh, in the homes of our patients. Um, we have a, a partnership with LifePoint. We're building an inpatient rehab hospital together that's gonna open up in 2025. And so what we're saying is, okay, well, if people wanna get into this space, right? We can, they can get into this space with us and we bring a lot to the table that they would not be able to spend, you know, they would, I mean, if they were to be able to do it, it would take them years and hundreds of millions of dollars to accomplish, right? But we've built this reputation over decades and, uh, and we're a academic system, you know, tied to a great organization, the University of California, and that credibility has, brings a lot of value. So those partnerships are key. I think the other thing that Scott talked about is really on, that's something that everybody talks about these days, which is workforce. And what I love about the University of California system is that we have been ahead of this, I feel, that we have been investing in our people. Uh, we are, you know, we have great partnerships with our, uh, with, uh, with, our, uh, with labor, uh, you know, where we are constantly working and, you know, working together, right, to, to think about how we can solve this together. Um, you know, I just met with our labor leaders yesterday where we talked about recruitment and hiring fairs and all the things that we could do together to be able to help support our workforce. And I think that's so critically important. So we've invested a lot of UCI health care on our people. And it's not just in like salary increases and benefits and all those critically important things. But we also do these investments to show people that we care about. And what I mean by that is um, just uh, in January, right? We, uh, for all 8,000 of our, of our coworkers, uh, we uh, uh, reserved Disneyland for one night where it was just our staff, all right? Just our staff at Disneyland. So, you know, if you wanted to ride that Star Wars ride that took two to three hours to wait in line, your wait was now 15 minutes, right? <laughs> it was pretty incredible. And, uh, and we brought everybody together for one night and there was, uh, and before we kicked off the night, our CEO, Chad, got up in front of everybody. And I'd never seen a site like this before. 
8,000 people in front of the, the Sleeping Beauty Castle. And there's our CEO talking to, to them about why they matter, how much he appreciates what they did through the pandemic, and then what we're going to be able to accomplish together moving forward. And that was so powerful. And we've taught, I mean, people still talk about it. When you go into the units, you see the pictures of all the departments and their team photos at Disneyland, right? It's huge. And while, and if you went on LinkedIn during the whole month of January, where other healthcare systems were talking about losing people, where they were struggling for retention, right? You know, you look at UCI Health and we were had photos of all of our teams together celebrating at Disneyland. It was an incredible kind of contrast to what else is happening in healthcare. And I'm so proud of that. And in fact, our turnover is under 12%. Right. And so uh, we are uh, doing great as an organization there, but you can never uh, stop investing in your people. And so we're going to continue to do that. And I think that's a critical investment that every organization needs to make. What an amazing story and just vision of, of the entire team at Disneyland. And I can imagine that was such a, a welcome relief from the daily uh, grind yeah. for many of them. And, and so that, that's awesome to hear. And I love that visual. Um, thank you so much for sharing with us. Yeah, thank you, Laura. Now, before we wrap up our conversation, I just have one more question for you. In looking ahead to the future, whether it's next two, three, five years down the line, where do you see some of the best growth opportunities? What do you, will you continue to do in addition to some of the um, expansions that we've already talked about? Yeah, I think that, you know, we are, um, we're really trying to, as we look into the future, right, think about, you know, in addition to the partnerships that I mentioned, right, you know, we also want to think about, you know, how do we, um, as an academic organization, really leverage that right into spaces that uh, where they they could use right our Discover TTO mission, and so I think that a great example of this is our Susan Samueli Integrative Health Institute. Um, so what we've done is uh, we have a institute. We actually got a donation from the Samueli family, two hundred million, uh, to support this work too. And uh, and we have an integrative health institute where they're doing research, right, into acupuncture, acupuncture, you know, herbal medicine, mindfulness, integrative approaches to, to disease prevention, and it is really, I think, bringing a lot of of academic knowledge and research into an area that really needs it. And we're finding incredible benefits to all these things that really you know, take, I think, medicine to the next level. And so I think that's a really critical invest, investment. Uh, we're also have, we also have an Institute for Pre Precision Health, uh, and that's critically important as we think about you know, the ways in which we can leverage data, uh, you know, under, our, our understanding of the human genome, and then understanding of how the social determinants of health affect that activation of certain genes, which affect our health, right? These things are another very exciting area. And what I love about these two areas is that it's something that as an academic medical, uh, academic healthcare system, you know, we're able to bring a lot of knowledge, credibility, research into those areas. Uh, and that's something that I don't think private equity, for example, would be able to do. And so, uh, so it's an exciting area for us. And I think it's going to be a really good way for us to continue to grow and add value in addition to our partnerships, in addition to uh, us becoming a system over these next few years. That's amazing to hear. Nathan, thank you so much for joining the podcast today. This has been a really fun and inspiring discussion, and I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you, Laura. It's always a pleasure to be on the uh, Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm an avid listener. Uh, thank you so much for the time. Appreciate it.